Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 109 of the 7500 to Holt Holtcast. I'm Jack Grimsey alongside Robert Lintot, and we're happy to talk about Villa, even though yesterday it was not the result we wanted. Finally, a loss after three straight wins. More on that in just a moment. All right, Robert. So I just said it. Villa didn't win yesterday. Big news. Spoiler alert. Jeez. Yeah. It, I mean, um, I don't think anyone knew that. It was Villarreal in such a tear. What, what, three three clean sheets in a row in addition to three wins in a row? Three first clean sheets in a row for the first time since, yeah, and three wins in a row for the first time since April 2010. Yeah. Uh, that's absurd. I was that not was... an Aston Villa fan the last time they had three wins in a row in the league. Yeah, I, I watched less than ten games at that point. Yeah, I just... I mean, 7,500 to Holt was created right around that time, uh, or at least became part of SB Nation right around that time, so I started following that summer, and oh my goodness, what what a run. Yeah, I think maybe we are to blame for Villa becoming horrible. <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't doubt that, actually. Uh, I was trying to think of something equivalent is... Three matches in a row really is not a lot. It's like it's even less in not, this league, you know. It's like yeah. two point two, I guess. And I don't know. I didn't do the math. I just guessed, but like two point two in the prem would equal three in the championship. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I was trying to think of an equivalent though. Is that like winning four baseball games in a row? Five. Yeah, yeah, probably maybe even less, or I don't know, maybe six. Yeah, I mean, I I have to think because or like winning every two team, NFL games in a row, maybe or one and a half, like what? Yeah, it just it's pathetic. I mean, I'm glad we did it finally, but just thinking about three matches in a row is not that hard to do. You wouldn't think, and yeah, uh, but we, when you can draw though, it's different than baseball, you know. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's true. It's like going undefeated. I would say three matches in a row would be like winning five in a row in baseball. Yeah, perhaps. If maybe you win two and draw one, you know, it's still yeah. you still have to be doing well. Whatever, that's a weird discussion. <laughs> Not on the script. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, yeah, let's just go go back to where it started. I guess the win against Derby County. It was a really ugly goal, but as I've been saying lately, they all count the same. James Chester bundled it over the line. Good for him mm-hmm. because he—I mean—he deserved a goal. He's been one of our, really one of our better players this season. Yeah, absolutely. Took a really nice corner, um, which have been improving lately, which is kind of nice to see. Took a nice corner, and just sort of awkwardly chested it down before throwing his body at it and pushing it over the line. It was kind of hilarious. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's fine. You, sometimes that's what it requires. Yeah, absolutely, and yet somehow, despite the fact that it was our first win in ages, that wasn't the highlight of that match. No, no, because um, the incident involving Leandro Pacuna and a linesman at the right at the end of the match, you know, if you're going to get sent off, well, actually, the actually do it then, I guess, because then you don't really cost your team, but... Um, Andrew Bikini got a red for running into the ref, not a headbutt, which at least 200 people told me. Yeah, not, not a headbutt. 
I mean, it looked like he lost control while he was running, and it was undeniably stupid, but it wasn't like some act of malicious aggression. No, no. I mean, obviously it looked really aggressive when he ran at the referee, but basically stopped himself in time to not do any damage. Yeah. I mean, the referee just looked sort of mildly annoyed. I think he was surprised that he actually did end up running into him. (laughs) Yeah, because what kind of an idiot puts himself in that position? Yeah, seriously. That, to me, was the biggest offense from all of that. It wasn't running into the ref. It was being so stupid as to put yourself in a position to run into the ref. Yeah, and over something that didn't really matter. It was just a throw-in at the end, end of the match. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it doesn't rank that far up there with, like, stupid late-game Villa events lately. Because instead you've got, like, Jordan Ayew against West Ham. That wasn't even late. Was it? I, for some reason in my head. Oh, that was, like, the 16th minute. Oh, boy. Um, That that will forever be the gold standard to me for stupid in-game decision-making. Yeah, okay, so that was on February 2nd of last year. Yeah, when he threw the elbow. Oh, let me scroll back through the Birmingham Mail's whole live updates. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I I thought it was BBC. It was was a misclick. Oh, I see. Yeah. um, Yeah. Um, So, I don't know. Bakuna was an idiot, and then the FA hands him a six-match ban. I... Yeah, here it is. It's it's all Villa at 8 o'clock, then 20.03. IU sent off for an elbow on Cresswell, so 18th minute. Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah. Is the Bakuna ban too much, do you think? Mm, just based on some of the other bans we've seen? Mm-hmm. You know, obviously racism is worse offense than this. Obviously, Zlatan elbowing Mings in the face is probably a, a more dangerous um, instance than this, same as Mings stepping on Zlatan. That was dirty, and yep. it was intentional, and it's going to result in a ban that less than Leandro Bakuna's because he touched the ref. And yep. really, the lesson learned is don't touch a ref. And it's not too much, but it's it, maybe it's going to be too much for Villa to weather because there's a lot of injuries right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, six matches is tough. Uh, luckily, we're halfway through it, but... I mean, that's that's a heck of a ban right but there. But still, yeah, February 26th to April 2nd, I think. Yeah. So, we've got the rest of the month to go without him. Yep, but luckily James Bree was back yesterday. Yeah. Um he wasn't uh, he wasn't available. The last couple matches we've seen Alan Hutton and those were I guess we'll recap those first. The win against Bristol. Yep. 2-0 Koja against his own team his old team. Which is kind of nice to see. Yeah, that's what that's what you'd hope for. That's what you know, we didn't <laughs> didn't get to see that with Scott Hogan, but uh-huh. or Connor Hurahan against Barnsley, but yeah, 2-0 against Bristol as Hurahan scored his first goal, right, for Villa? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was coming all day, too. He was, he was just knocking at the door of that goal for that entire thing. Yeah, and I mean, that's obviously, well, like, Villa were linked with him I, uh, instantly in January. I wrote something that I was saying 
that I thought he'd be great for Villa and at the price, you know, that's Villa aren't going back up next year and you have to be sustainable. Yeah. Uh exactly. You know, that's the kind of move that might mean that Villa go up in the 2017-18 season. Exactly, exactly. And by January, I think it was smart to focus on players like that maybe a little more, but yeah, that's that's not the discussion we meant to have today either. Sorry, I'm giving us oh. way off target. Right. Let's go back to Rotherham, and I I did actually see the highlights for that, and you know that was a game where Villa, you know Villa could have had six in that game, and it was just a problem that they can't hit the target. None of our players can hit the target. Yeah, and well, in that game, it was a, a lot, lot of, of the closest were cha- a lot of the chances were close. Excuse me, they were going roll a couple rolled right by the post is like agonizingly close, but then it's it's Rotherham. They're horrible. Mm-hmm. Just I mean that no. that was a match that we absolutely dominated and got out of the first half zero zero, and suddenly you had that that feeling in the pit of your stomach, like oh god, I've seen this before. I know how this ends. Even more and, so than yesterday, which we'll we'll get to in in a bit, but yeah. And I, I was live tweeting it from the uh, the site account, and I said, you know, at this point, I just want a garbage goal, something absolutely trash, uh, to get Villa the lead here. And sure enough, we got it when uh, Rotherham got themselves an own goal. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, that's that's pathetic. But Volks turned it into his own net, and, and then John it looked like Kodja. an own goal that Villa would score. You know. Yeah, exactly. And then Kaja doubles the lead and. At that point, you can exhale because Rotherham aren't coming back from 0-2 down. No. Thank- thankfully. And Villa aren't going to score two own goals with themselves. <laughs> That's a good point. That would have been the only way to overturn that, that lead. Yeah. Um, and then we had yesterday's match against Huddersfield. Yeah, came into that on the, the three-game win streak plus five goal difference and had mm-hmm. turned it around in that. So I was looking looking up and I was saying, you know, it's probably we probably should have got on this run in January. If you just deleted January and tacked those fixtures on to the end of the year, mm-hmm. maybe Villa would still be in the running. Cause, but that was just so many games to go without winning. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, came into the, came into that match on a high, and I was like, well, if Villa win every game for the rest of the year, maybe we'll be in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what do you think of our playoff chances now, then? I think if we win every game for the rest of the year, we might be able to make the playoffs. Even a little bit less of a chance, but still, you know, it's just, just three more points. Can, just pretend that would happen in January. Just count it. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's probably impossible. Yeah, I mean, at this point, there's no point in thinking of it. But the nice thing is, I think that three-game win streak also put to bed any thought about relegation, too. Exactly, that's important. I guess I didn't want to mention that or kind of, yeah, as a, a triggering subject. But, <laughs> um, yeah, like, it was... It's scary to think about something because something like that because it has happened to teams yeah. like Wolves. Yeah. And they were in enough of a spiral that you could see them not pulling out of it. And with the injuries piling up, if just one person gets injured every game before too long, you have the youth yeah. team out there. 
Yeah, that Rotherham match was especially terrible. You know, Jarninson injures his right knee, gets replaced by Grealish. Grealish comes on for about 10 minutes, injures his right knee, and comes off. Um, yeah, that's what I saw. I was just following it on my phone and was like, oh my gosh, that's... It, it was, yeah, they, they set up a mash unit on the field, I think. It's like, we're going to run out of subs, and then <laughs> someone's going to get hurt, and we'll be down 10. Yeah, it was it was rough, but... Um, so with all of those injuries and everything that's been happening and the fact that they were playing away to a third place team, I don't think the result at Huddersfield was much of a surprise yesterday. No, it wasn't. It's just um, a shame how it happened because, what, Bjarnason hit the, uh, no, excuse me, um, what, Lansbury hit the post in the I first half? I believe so. I, I, I was only reading recaps. I was at work while this one happened, so I, I didn't get a chance to listen live. Yeah, I was I was watching Bayern Arsenal because I had to do that highlight, but then I had the Villa periscope, didn't see a, a whole lot of it there. But it seemed like seemed like Villa could have been edging it at at the half, and yeah. you know, I, I mean, it could could have gone either way, obviously. But one chance there, and there weren't a lot of chances the whole game. Just one shot on target for Villa, two shots on target for Huddersfield. But the thing is, if you get a shot on target against Johnston, especially if you get two. You're probably mm-hmm. gonna gonna be worth a goal. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's really not been doing all that much. Um, but I I don't know. You've you've got this described as a boring game, and from what you were telling me before we started on the Periscope, it just looked like a woefully boring game. But I mean, look at that schedule. They've had this is their fourth match in basically a week and a half, something like that. They, yeah, a whole bunch of injuries. Yeah, this time of the year. It's of course it's going to be boring. It's yeah, just I yeah. think everyone is exhausted. Yeah, well, first first half stats I guess um shots Huddersfield had 7, one was one was on target, 3 off target, 3 blocked. Villa in mm-hmm. the first half, 5 total, one on target, four off target. But I mean that includes woodwork. Um I mean I, I guess Opta isn't showing anyone seeing the woodwork, but um that's what I'd heard, but yeah, second half, Huddersfield just had one on target, one off target, one ended up going in. Villa couldn't put one on frame in the second half, disappointingly. But pos- yeah. yeah, possession, Huddersfield kind of edged in the first half 61%, second half was 50-50. But Villa, you know what Villa pass accuracy was? Uh, terrible or good? Yeah, clo- we were warm with the first one. Oh, so 43%. A little higher, pass pass accuracy. Their possession was forty four and a half, but I feel like we've seen days where Villa have been sub fifty percent in pass accuracy. It's not too far off that. Fifty four? I don't know. A little what higher, fifty seven point eight. Oh, that's not good. Sixty seven point seven. So, right. yeah. for, for I mean, example, it's it's no surprise with those numbers that that Villa came out behind in this one, and I mean. Did you expect anything else traveling to the third place team? No, no, and it's not to say. I mean, obviously, you connect with one through ball, coaches in with a one on one. That's a goal. You could pass at thirty percent. Yeah, and uh, walk away with one nil or one one. But you know, it's just it's a point I have later. But Bruce's style is ugly, and it's really apparent. Yeah, um, yeah, it's. It's ugly, and when people are exhausted and you're playing young players, it's 
it's going to be tough. Um, I mean, look at that bench yesterday. Yeah, Just but, you know, incredibly. what I have to say to that is if Ashley Westwood was in the team, it wouldn't be that bad. You wouldn't, it would not be under 60% accuracy, I feel like, because, okay, maybe he's going to pass it backwards and recycle the ball, but, you know, any pass you complete is not a negative pass. People that say that, it's very frustrating because turning the ball over is worse than keeping the ball. If, say, someone in the midfield kicks it forward 40 yards and we lose it, what's what's the difference if Baker kicked it forward 60 yards and we lose it? You yeah, know. I mean, that's a fair point. It's... I don't know, though. I I, I think... With a, with a side with better players, I think if you keep possession, you can let the ball do the work. You know, Villa's players should have... Maybe not necessarily Huddersfield, the bad example, but against most sides, keep the ball and let your class show, really. That's what Villa should have been doing the whole year. I guess. I mean, I... I just worry that we're reading too much into a midweek match against a strong team when Villa were injury riddled. No, I, and it was and it was ugly on both ends, and that's yeah, not what I, I'm trying I, to say. I'm not trying to discredit Villa. You know, one note, whatever that it happens, and Tommy Tommy Smith got the goal, and it was in the 69th minute, assisted by Aaron Moy, who is at Man City or, or yeah. at Man City. <laughs> He's kind of a Man City player. Yeah, probably kind something of. Un- unlikely to really make that squad. You never know, though. I, and I had seen an article pre-match, Birmingham Mail, of course, on Twitter. Pep likes him. That's the whole headline. I was like, huh? So yep. they, they got me. Classic clickbait. But um, yeah, Aaron Moy signed from I forget. He's Australian. He was signed last summer from Melbourne City, and instantly four days later, loaned out to Huddersfield for the year. And so I was like, oh, he's probably a youngster. Actually, he's 26, but he's played played 16 times for Australia's senior national team with five goals. So it's not, you know, that's a good, it's pretty good career progression still. And now maybe in Man City's setup, or at least getting loaned out playing in England, you know, he could hit that development stage a little later. He's probably, like you said, never going to be able to play in that Man City team. But then again, Fabian Delft did, so. Yeah, a few times. Yeah. yeah, so it was a strange match. Like I said, a really young bench. Corey Taylor, Keenan Davis, Corey Black at Taylor. Uh, just lots of youth on that bench, uh, which is obvious given how many injuries there are right now. Yeah, and that's something that I'm fine with. You know, if the season ends up being a wash, I don't care if Villa don't make the playoff as long as from this point forward we're playing like what one, two, three of those guys per game? Yeah, give them some chances. Get them, and at this point, I don't think that's unreasonable. Especially um, strikers, you know, like look at these strikers that can come through. Even like Marcus Rashford breaking through at Manchester United. You look at yeah. really across across Europe. You look at Kylian Mbappe at Monaco. He's eighteen and he's amazing. You know, it doesn't. I just think it's something that maybe management is holding players back. It could be. Um, we we've saw got like the, the the Hepburn Murphy contract stuff. Russian Hepburn Murphy he was big issues with that, and yeah, he's been hurt, so you can't play if you're hurt. But also, if they're unwilling to play because of a contract issue, man, that's just something that should never should never be a stumbling block. 
to your yeah. to your youth development and integration into the first team. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you're a team like Villa who really aren't challenging for anything. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. The problem should be that you can't trust them in a match against like the first or second place team when you're the opposite one, either first or second. Because it's such a yeah. huge match, you know, not because like you're worried if you're going to pay them 500 quid a week or 1,000 quid a week, whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, probably not even that much. The idea of keep playing the youth, uh, one of the ones that comes to mind as a question for me is what about Jack Relish? Are you getting to the point where you're starting to lose a little bit of hope in him? Sorry, say that it, it lagged a little bit. Am I losing hope in who? Uh, are you starting to lose a little bit of hope in Jack Relish? A little bit, but just because he got hurt. It's just the latest bump in the road. I mean, the thing is, there probably are not going to be as many big teams as interested in him now. So yeah. it he's, was... had a, he's had a rough season. You expected him to come in, or you know, not you, uh, we expected him to come in and dominate the championship, and he really hasn't. No, and he hasn't, I mean, I also think he hasn't been afforded the platform or the chance to do so. He needs to be playing in a free role behind a striker or behind two strikers or, I don't know, give him the chance to create. Yeah, I mean, I'm not throwing in the towel on him yet, but I'm No, no, and it's, slowly it'd be losing hope of him as, I'm losing hope of him as being, you know, Aston Villa's next big star. Yeah, and I think you're just discouraged because it's a very Villa thing to happen. Yeah, Or if exactly. you were to bomb out, it'd be a very Villa thing to happen. So I can I can forgive that. I can forgive anyone who's doing that. But still, we have to, we have to support them. We have to support the youth. We can't keep throwing millions at players like Ross McCormick. It's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah, no. It's You've got to actually start developing. Um, yeah, so so like we said with that game, probably a little too late. It's probably a little too late, too little too late to make the playoff. But we yeah. kind of already knew that. But still this run, I mean, just like from those three wins, it's important to not get on too much of a high now with this one loss. Mm-hmm. Whatever, put it behind you. Go, yep, get, go exactly. get the next one. And it's really just about getting... Not necessarily in a great run of form or a big winning streak or something. It's just about establishing consistency for next season because it's such a long year. You just gotta, I don't know, kind of steady it out. Not, you know, you don't want to get too hot in the middle of the year and then just forget that form completely. Yeah, it's um, you have to kind of hope that this is a little bit of regression to the mean. Um, Villa aren't a team that are going to win four or five on in a row, and they're also not a team that should lose five in a row. Um, if you if you were being honest about it at the beginning of the year and not overly optimistic like I probably was, you'd you'd have said Villa were about a tenth place team this season. And right now, the way they've been playing the past few matches, they look like they could be a tenth place team again. That's where they should be, I think. I don't know. I still think I still think Villa should be a top four or five side in this league. I would, if it hadn't been for the fact that we had six years of this just garbage culture in the club. Um, you know, the players are there for this to be a top four side in this league, but I don't think the culture is there at the club. So I don't know. I think new owner, new manager, a lot of new players. I'm I'm not going to buy that one. All right. I I. Regardless, I 
can guarantee they're not a five loss in a row team. No, no, and and it's something that I just thought of, but maybe with Bruce, it's kind of the the team of two streaks, you know, because the team it's kind of a two faced team. Maybe that's a better expression for it. But right when Bruce came in, a good unbeaten run for a while. January, just like I don't know the Dead Sea, whatever. Yeah, like. And then recently, recently, yeah, three, <laughs> three wins without even conceding. So are we about to start on a downward trend? Probably not, but it's just something to follow maybe a little bit. <laughs> Hopefully not. No, um, no. How much of that do you, do you attribute to Bruce's style? Well, with his style, I think it doesn't really lend itself to... I don't know, dominating play, because I think to really be dominant, you have to keep the ball, or at least win the ball back regularly high up the pitch, if you're not completing a lot of your passes, but I don't know, if Villa, I think, do have players that are good enough to pretty much bulldoze at least everyone in, like, the bottom third of this league, like, 16 through 24, we, no matter how we play, we should just be able to outclass those teams. Yeah, I absolutely um, agree with that. With, uh, I don't know, I think just lumping it forward, maybe it worked Maybe it'd work better if we had Rudy and Koja. I guess it's stupid to even uh-huh. think about. But, you know, I don't, I don't think crossing the ball is a good strategy anymore. It's low percentage. Like, the chance of completing a cross, maybe to be generous, 20%. And then the chance of that header going on goal is probably again being generous 50% and then the chance of the goalie like not saving it if it is on goal we'll just say another 50% so from any cross you probably have like 5% yeah yeah maybe that's being generous so that's if you can work it all the way down the wing and get a good cross and that actually gets to the guy so you just want to barrel it up the middle yeah, I think I think we should be able to pack the midfield with Jedinak and then Hurahan Lansbury and then either Grealish at the at the tip of the diamond behind Koja. I mean behind Koja and Hogan would be good. But Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I would really... say uh for Bruce's Bruce's managing, the one thing that I've really been able to get on board with this year is the pairing of Baker and Chester. Oh yeah, I no, he's that nailed is- that. He's nailed that, and it's perfectly fine to sort the defense out first. Like he said, when he came in, we have to stop conceding. But I don't know. I think that was again a little bit false because mostly the thing is, if we would have just scored more, we wouldn't have had to worry about conceding a late one. Yeah, you have but, to worry about that when you're up one. Like, look at Newcastle just blitzing teams and winning by four. Yeah. They give one up uh, late, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I I just, to me, that Baker-Chester pairing has been the biggest revelation this season. That right there is the core of a good defense for a few years to come. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For me, the best thing is that it looks very sustainable going forward. Because mm-hmm. Baker, Baker's and, getting better. Baker's getting better. Chester is looking really solid. And for some reason, it seems that when you pair those two and you put Yednak on the pitch, uh, suddenly Villa have a lot of backbone and have a lot of spine that's lacking otherwise. Yeah, especially, yeah, you know, like what, I don't know, probably 80% of goals at least come from directly in front of the goal. So those three 
are a big reason that a lot of those balls aren't getting to Johnston, thankfully, yeah. you know, because they're <laughs> there. And, yeah, you know, a lo- we give them a lot of stick, but I'm sure a lot of the, the we don't see them because they're not on TV, but a lot of the shots that Johnston is facing, they have to be in good locations to be able to get through some of those guys, you know. Yeah. So. Absolutely. I just, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's a bad strategy, really, back to Bruce, because in this league, defenders are generally bad. Otherwise, they'd be playing in a better league. So it's, you can have better proportionally, I guess, attacking talent, and you should be able to, I don't know, you should be able to score easier than it is to create a lockdown defense that maybe concede. You know, you're not going to be like Chelsea conceding zero every match. You're going to give up one. Something's hmm. going to happen. I don't know. Right now, Villa are uh, averaging only a quarter of a goal conceded over the past four matches. That's true. <laughs> However, uh, are they regressing back to the mean? <laughs> maybe. Maybe they are. God knows that conceding a quarter of a goal per match is probably not sustainable. Yeah. Uh, however lovely that would be. It would give you a push on the Asian handicap sometimes, though. On the what? The Asian handicap. You know, most American handicap is like minus 0.5 goals or like minus one and a half. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not sure how Asian handicap works, but I know it's 0.25s. And it's like yeah. some weird variables, but I guess it's good for betting. I don't know. I wouldn't know I'm American, so I can't bet. Oh. <laughs> All right, then. This has been betting in it with Jack Grimsey. <laughs> Very um, not informative, but anyway, oh, uh, I think this, this explains why you're so successful at your gambling career. Yeah, I've not bet in a while, but <laughs> there, you know, I think everyone remembers my bet of Leicester to get relegated and Villa to win the league last year. <laughs> I mean, two separate bets, of course, but ah, uh, well, it was a good try. Yeah. Um. So since we talked a lot about injuries and a little bit about right back, we said James Bree was back yesterday. It's good to see him because I think he's probably the right back of the future, despite mm-hmm. Richie Delay being on the roster. I you know he could go to another. Te- he's been to like thirteen teams in twelve years, or so, I don't know something like that. <laughs> Would not be a surprise to see him at a new team next year, especially because according to my sources, Hutton's getting a new contract. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought he had, I, <laughs> I will admit that I sort of tuned out Alan Hutton news, but he's been, to me, the single biggest shock lately has been the fact that people have been praising him outside of games. You know, what's the biggest shock to me is that Hutton's been trying really hard and, you know, I never believed this until I just saw it, but his contract runs out in June. Yeah. Shock. I, huh. uh, why, why would he be yeah. trying now instead of before? I just sort of, I I guess I just sort of assumed when I saw that Hutton was up for a new contract that Villa had gone ahead and done it. Uh, but, you know, we haven't, I can't see it being worth it. No matter how good he's been in the past couple of games, uh, there's no way that I can see keeping Alan Hutton around as a worthwhile investment. No, and I mean, unless you have a bidder lined up in China to buy him for like five million or something. Yeah, it's you know, there's no, 
There's but no with, reason for that. So with Bree and Delate there, and you know Bree's gonna be Bree has to be the right back of the future. And Bakuno, I would think you would want as cover instead of Hutton anyway. Yeah, agreed. Um, as I guess it, because Micah Richards' future is at center back, says Steve Bruce. <laughs> Micah Richards' future should be nowhere near this club. I think he should play left out. <laughs> left bench also boo. yeah boo yeah. so i don't know i hutton may have a role to serve for the rest of this year but don't sign him again there's no need to do that nope all right so i think that's that's gonna wrap it up for today i want to thank you all for joining robert and i on this episode of the holdcast can't believe I can't believe we've done 109 episodes. Crazy. So I would say we're, we've been here through the good times and the bad, but obviously, as we mentioned earlier, it's pretty much just been the bad. So at least doing this makes it fun. Hopefully get some enjoyment out of it as well. If you, if you enjoyed it half as much as Robert and I enjoyed making it, it'll make your day. Let me just say that. So thank you all for that. Any final thoughts, Robert? I think I'm good. I uh, Let's get back to winning. Yeah, and Villa will have the chance to do that this Saturday. Yes. Sheffield Wednesday. It's going to be at 3 GMT at Villa Park. So hopefully you can get there. If not, hopefully there will be a stream. I'm not sure. I probably should know <laughs> that. But... Yeah, and final, I guess, final thoughts today, International Women's Day. Um, support Aston Villa ladies and support all the women in your life. But Robert, I think, can make a quick announcement regarding the women's yeah. team on the site. After, after years of begging for it, uh, we finally have two writers to cover the Aston Villa women. Uh, we've got our first match preview up from Georgia Archer. Uh, she went to their 1-1 draw against the Millwall Lionesses up in Tamworth over the weekend. Uh, really good match review and we are looking forward to bringing you more and more Aston Villa women's coverage cannot wait to be providing it and how can you follow her on Twitter uh, she is at Georgia A Media okay so there yeah go. I remembered it off the top of my head go follow yeah I did not so I threw you on the spot good job that's alright yeah so go boss. follow Georgia yeah go follow Georgia and read up on that and so, yeah, thank you for joining us on the Holdcast. As always, you can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Block Talk Radio. Keep interacting with us on Facebook and Twitter. Follow our new AVLFC writers. And until next time, goodbye.